0: Hi, everybody. It's Jean Nathan. This is Crosstown Conversations, and we have a really interesting show today because we're kind of reporting on reporting. So there was a wonderful series of moments last week when people who are involved with the Mayor's Office of Cultural Economy and the mayor um, talked about things that they have been doing and the things that are going on. And it was really revealing about the level of work that people are putting into uh, pushing our cultural economy forward, but also very specifically as well, getting us through that pandemic. So there were so many examples that all of us know from our friends and others of people who floundered and, and those who flew in the pandemic. It was such a strange situation, and we're still there. We are still in a in a time of uncertainty, but I think that that the basic human optimism is winning out, and certainly the programming that I have seen coming from the city, um, and also that so many creatives in the city are doing, um, is evidence. And we're going to hear a lot about that evidence during this this showtime. So I want to start with. Um, Uh, Just quick introductions for everybody so we know who's uh, on the program, and then I'm going to ask Lisa to uh, start us off. So um, I'll introduce Lisa um, Alexis, who is the uh, director, the CEO of the Mayor's Office of Cultural Economy, and also heads up the New Orleans Tourism Culture Foundation, which has become a very important arm of uh, the city's cultural economy effort. Now, let me go to my two other guests. Rowena, do you want to go first?
1: Yes, I am Rowena McCormick Robinson, and I am the CEO of Chic Novel Model and Talent Management, which is based out of New Orleans, but we do stuff all over the United States and the world.
2: All right. Osa? Hi, my name is Osa Adun. I'm the CEO of New Orleans. Uh, we're a media-driven economic development corporation that focuses on uh, bringing creators from Web 2 to Web 3 and uh, generating sustainable incomes.
0: So I can't wait to hear from OSA because I couldn't understand anything that he does. With <laughs> I am the most tech savvy guy in town. And so I'm, I'm going to be real interested to hear him talk about um, his stuff. Um, uh, Lisa, one of the things that really stood out, of course, about um, the Mayor's Office of Cultural Economy is embrace the culture. And how you all just jumped in and made that happen. Basically, I think in in I don't know. It seemed like weeks. It may have taken you longer to get it off the ground, but um, it was it was fast, and it was really meant to um, address what we were all going through in terms of the limits on where we could perform, present, and 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 really make connections with. Um, A a marketplace that was lost to us during the pandemic. So, um, tell us a little bit about that, if you will. And then you can just morph right into some of the other initiatives that came along um, at the same time. And uh, let me just say that you're summarizing, in a way, what we heard in the news conference. And hopefully, I'll I'll be able to have some sound bites from the news conference, but you're the summary.
3: Thank you so much. Good afternoon, everyone. And thank you for being a part. And thank you for really just being a part and an instrumental asset to us from a cultural standpoint. So to each of you, I I am very appreciative and grateful for what each of you do and have done for many years. What we've done as far as embrace the culture, embrace the culture is now our motto of the Office of Cultural Economy. Why? Because we believe when given the platform and opportunity, our culture will be embraced by all because everyone has a relatable aspect within the work that you do, the art and the craft that you provide. And it serves as a relaxing, a healing, or just a way in which to work through matters in your life. I know I'm speaking from a strange realm, but I think it's needed as we're still working through a pandemic and other things happening. However, moving right back to embrace the culture, when the pandemic hit, Mayor Cantrell pulled our office of cultural economy right in on the front lines with public safety and health and said that I believe cultural economy is essential for us to survive and continue forward. Please keep the cultural light flaming. And so what we did was we came into the office weekdays, weeknights, and weekends to determine what could we do. And we came up with the concept of Embrace the Culture, which would be a way in which we would offer and showcase all sectors of cultural art to uh, an audience of live streaming people who were all in safe places, but able to enjoy, learn, and still support cultural artists. And so that is what we did. And we began that series and we did, we showcased every cultural sector that is, and that is also including fashion, which of course is a part of the cultural sector, but fashion, technology, music, culinary, literary, preservation, architectural aspects as well, music, visual arts, and I want to think thank Jean because we also, she also stood up a whole new initiative that is continuing artist in view. So what we did was we paid our artist a stipend to provide and share their art for about 30 minutes or so, and then highlight it and just really try to market it until it became very successful and it was marketed even across the world because our artists. Um, Well, not when traveling was uh, at a standstill, but it started traveling around the world once travel was allowed. However, we found that our stipend, we called it a stipend because we thought it was not market value. But we started learning during that quiet time that bands were receiving five hundred dollars. Artists were receiving two hundred and fifty dollars. And that was um, appreciated and it did uh, help. So with that, that is the birth of Embrace the Culture. And not only did we showcase it live from, it started in Gallier Hall, in the hallways of Gary Hall, then in the theater of Gallier Hall. And then we grew to the Fillmore of, of now Caesars Casino. And we also grew to the stage of House of Blues through a partnership with Live Nation, of which we're very grateful because their staff were really furloughed at that time, but wanted to continue to support and do something with their time. So they came out and did the production work uh, for us. And so it was just simply wonderful. And then we started taking it on site. You saw people on their porches and in their studios at home. But we tried to just bring even more uh, exposure to our different venues as well. So people performed on stages of venues and the like. So that was the concept of Embrace the Culture that we will never allow it to die. And then it grew as the city started opening up, we started partnering with other cultural organizations to increase that amount of economic opportunity to our artists. So just last year, We had the carousel of culture on last year during October, there would have been the big festivals. However, the pandemic did not afford that. So we had a carousel of culture at City Park in partnership with City Park and the Arts Council. And we had a stage live performances taking place on Saturday and Sunday arts and crafts and several different artists brought their goods as well. And we also had food trucks out there, and it was a great turnout. It was the best weather you could ever ask for, but it also helped artists to start vending their goods in a manner that was, they explained to me, reaching levels of 2019. And then just zooming up real quick in summary to this year, there have been opportunities in which we've reached out to engage our cultural artists. There was the uh, fried chicken festival, as well, on the towards the end of last year, where we partnered and we gave uh, artists opportunities to vend, and we paid for those sponsorships. But beyond that, just continuing to keep the doors of of information and opportunity open as Essence returned back in full bloom this year in July. In meeting with them, we offered and really just challenge, challenged in a nice way, but asked that they open the doors of opportunity so our local vendors would have a space and a place to start vending so that we could support our local uh, uh, artists as well. And they did so. So this year was the inaugural start of the local marketplace. It was over 25 vendors that were there. I understand during that timeframe, it sold out. The uh, location was within the footprint of Essence Festival is right adjacent to the convention center and across from the sugar mill area and all. And it went well. It had cooling stations and all. But we want that to be the start and we would love to see it grow to indoor, air conditioned, nice vending Uh, opportunity spaces as well
0: we actually interviewed um, a couple of the people who were part of that and they were just thrilled with it and i have to say that um we we sort of at the uh, at a certain point um we had taken a rest with our artists in view but then we started it back up and and we are uh, reposting many of the artists we had about 50 artists participate in that and we're looking to add more but the beauty of that again was that Actually, we, as well as others, were learning about artists that they didn't necessarily know about. And it was such a mix because you had some very experienced artists and you had some starting out, barely trained, just you know, people who were just hanging up their wares on a metal frame and putting them up for sale. So we really enjoyed doing that. We're gonna continue to do it. So that's what I'm saying about the people who flew during the pandemic, wow. and, and, and made things happen, and the city really helped that to uh, to happen. I, I want to go to Rowena and um and and talk about uh, Ro, Rowena's operation uh, because I'm very proud of all the people, and uh, Marcus Rossler has joined us, who's part of the uh, program. Um, that uh, it's uh, tell me the name, but again, um, I was, uh
2: oh lost your audio. Ah. You're muted. Okay, so uh, a part of the program. Uh, repeat your question again. Your title, uh, uh, Noir, Lands, yeah, right? Noir Lands. Noir Lands. So, yeah. Uh, Marcus okay. actually owns the first uh, black NFT gallery in Louisiana, um, and so we work we work together on a number of things. Um, but Noir Orleans yeah, Noir Lands is an economic development corporation that focuses on uh, using technology and culture to um, generate incomes for you know cultural bearers. We're going to hear
0: from you just shortly, but Marcus, good luck explaining NFTs to me. (laughs) Um, Okay, Rowena, um, tell me about your operation.
1: Okay, so we have Chic Novell Model and Talent Management, which was started officially in 2009, but it's actually... We've been in the game for about 36 years because I am the oldest of 13 children. And because our dad is six, seven, our mom is five, eight. We have a lot of six foot models within the family, (laughs) but we also have a mom who's very active, um, in the city. She's active everywhere. She is an artist, a visual artist as well as a poet, um, and a writer. She's an, uh, Activists, especially she advocates for kids a lot. So my mom, we you know grew up with her always being the lady that fusses at the school board meetings. But anyway, that's another story. But she instilled in us the importance of <laughs> art and and culture. And then our dad, of course, is the the backbone of the family who basically say, listen to whatever your mama say. You know, because he <laughs> he doesn't want to have to hear it from her. But um one thing that she always instilled in us is to use all the gifts that god has given you and so with all 13 of us we've been very active in the city with like painting underneath uh some murals underneath the Claiborne bridge at one point my mom painted the airport um african dancing african drumming stilt dancing so with so much talent within one family uh, my husband he recommended he said I think you really need to start uh we need to start like an agency or a model management and I didn't care too much for having to deal with paperwork because I've been this is my 27th year in um as a school teacher in Arlington Parish and he's like this is even more reason why you should open the agency so that this way we can incorporate a lot of things that we do, because my husband is an artist as well. So he also beads for the Indians and he, he does a lot. So what he had been doing is volunteering at every school that I taught at, which was 10 different schools so far, he would volunteer if they didn't have an art program or a music program, we would create it. And it got to the point where the principal start giving us our own classrooms And we would just go ahead and and volunteer and provide that because I felt that it was needed. I would always be the teacher that would get uh, the students in the class that others had issues with dealing with. And I said, you know, y'all labeling them as bad kids and not necessarily bad kids. They're missing certain things that they may not have at home. Um, And also kids learn a lot through art. They learn through music. They They learn through uh, speech and debate. I mean, if it's not being offered, then we need to do that. And I'm one of those persons who feels like I'm not gonna go online and complain about what we don't have, I I just have to do it. And that's what we've been doing for many years. So we've been putting on productions in the city of New Orleans to allow talent the opportunity to have a positive platform. Fashion Week, Bourbon Park International Fashion Week is something that we started in 2000. 10 was the first show. It was at the airport in New Orleans. There were 3,000 in attendance, 1,000 per day, a Wednesday, 1,000, Thursday, 1,000, and on a Friday, it was during the French Quarter Festival, I remember. We included a lot of talent uh, that performed and gave a lot of models the opportunity. And what it did is it opened it up for the fashion week that we have today. Like I said, I was so excited. Um... When Tracy Dundas, who used to be my model manager, uh, she opened Fashion Week, and it's still here. And that's what we talk about with sustainability, because that is a lot of work, putting Fashion Week on. And so the fact that it's still here, I'm very excited about it, because now the models that I manage, they're able to be in the Fashion Weeks, just like when they had Fashion Week Paris that was here. So we do a lot of things Um We start up a lot of things that I consider to be the first, um, because if I don't see it being done, I'm not going to wait for it to happen. I'm just going to go ahead with or without resources. I know how to pray and God opens the doorways and just provides opportunities for us. So on October 1st, we want New Orleans to be the first in the United States to hit the Guinness record as having the most models in a show. And we're going to beat out Spain's record. And we're also going to create another record with having the most cancer survivors in the show. So we do a lot of everything. We even have our own magazine because a lot of models were not in print, I felt, the right way. I need them to, I want high fashion the same way I see in New York and in Paris. So, of course, like I stated before, we don't wait, we make it happen. So we've been creating designers and young photographers, and our models are the ones that's writing the articles, doing the photography, uh, for the magazine that we have, and we do a lot of other stuff. But I'll be on here talking all day. But yes, <laughs> uh, I'm,
0: I'm blown away. I mean, I think it's incredible what you're doing, and and it's a, but the theme of what you're saying is a theme that I hear from so many people who are trying to make things happen. They don't wait for somebody else to say it's okay to do something. They just plain do it. I don't yes. wanna be corny and go to a commercial logo on that, but it really people just do it. And, and it's amazing uh, what you all can get done. Um, let me go to Osa and and Marcus and and um, okay, try to explain to me, I couldn't even get past web three. What is web three? I mean, these are tech guys, thank you. God for you, because we need you so badly, especially in the creative fields, not as, as, as Rowena was saying, not all of us really want to have to get bogged down with all that, you know, stuff that you have to do. And so having people who know how to do it is, is critical. So explain to me, um, uh, overall, what your organization does. And then I want to, I just want you to me what web three means
2: (laughs) yeah so uh i feel like if i explain exactly what web three is you'll definitely be able to understand what my organization does and what the roster does as well um so uh in the beginning right we had the internet uh in 1999 uh you had the dot-com boom uh you had a bunch of companies you know uh like amazon.com so on and so on uh but these companies had an issue they were basically read only Uh, Companies. And this uh, eventually created the paradigm of companies using the internet primarily as a marketing and advertising tool. And so, as we go on to the future, uh, the next iteration, which was in 2005 uh, or rather 2008, when the iPhone came along, you had social media apps like uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, all of those types of things where users could read and write. So, not only could they uh, read from um, the uh, the web servers but they could also post and interact with the servers however there was a critical problem right uh these companies relied off of the data relied off of the art relied off of the uh, content that the users were generating to keep their services afloat uh, but they weren't getting getting anything back right so um uh, the met the data says that YouTube uh, pays its creators, I think 15 billion point uh, or 15.1 billion per uh, per year. Uh, in the year of 2000, I wanna say 2022 or 2021, they paid uh, 15 billion to their users, but that's actually a drop in the bucket. Um, if we look at Shopify, they've done even less. Uh, Facebook is the least. And so- Wait, we're 15 starting,
0: billion you're saying is not a lot? It's, no,
2: it's not a lot at all. Uh, <laughs> There are most creators. Probably the wrong business. Like, Go ahead. Yeah, it's only about five percent of creators on these social media apps that can really sustain themselves with their own income, right? Um, and so, Bill Gates in 1999, when the internet came afloat, he was like, uh, he he wrote this article. It's called "Content is King." Uh, the same way television, uh, the same way television works today, the same way print magazines, uh, all of that stuff. He predicted that that was going to be on the internet, right? And he was correct. And the thing that's keeping the internet afloat is content, but the users aren't getting any um, any money and or any ad revenue from the content there that they're um, uploading to these sites, right? So Web three comes along, right? In about two thousand nine, when the Bitcoin white paper, um, when the Bitcoin white paper comes along, and we have this uh, this thing called the blockchain, right? So blockchain enables uh, users to own their content, right? Uh, So basically what a blockchain is, is this big computer where everybody is a part of, everybody is a node in this big network of computer systems. And so the content that you generate, you own part of your content and it's 100%, well, most blockchains are transparent uh, and you can't change them and they're free to join. You don't have to uh, have a central authority to uh, join one of the servers. This allows creators to own their own data and sell their own data. So you're starting to hear things like NFTs. You're starting to hear things like uh, metaverse experiences and all of that because it's the next uh, iteration of the internet, right? So uh, we have web one, which is read only. You have web two, which is read and write. And you have web three, which is read, write and own, right? So, creators can okay, now i get oh wow uh, that
0: that was a great summary guys i don't uh-huh. know anybody else but i didn't know any of that i mean i've heard the word blockchain i've heard bitcoin i've heard nft and uh, my reaction has always been uh, <laughs> that was so it is it That's just, that is so important that it really enables people to own. And this has been like the big controversy in New Orleans ever since I've been involved way before you guys were even born. The issue has always been that our creators were getting cheated in a sense out of their royalties. You know, I still have a big issue with the fact that artists can sell their work for a couple hundred dollars And then about 10 years later, it's worth $2 million and they don't get any of that additional value. And I wrote about this years ago, but I'm not smart enough to know how to have tried to start something to change that. But that is plain dead wrong. Speaking as the artist, the wife of an artist who has sold his work for too little and I watch how it gets moved around, Um, it's not right. So you're talking about exactly that, right?
2: So yeah, um, with uh, NFTs, right? So NFTs are a way for artists, uh, especially in New Orleans to own their intellectual property. Um, Basically an NFT stands for non-fungible token. It means it's a digital certificate saying that this digital asset, whether it be a photo or video uh, is owned by said person. So the digital certificate says that, hey, I own this asset. When you sell off an NFT to another party, um, this person owns the digital asset. However, the smart contract, which is the foundation of the digital certificate, uh, anytime that piece gets sold again, the smart contract automatically puts royalties into the wallet of the other person. So let's say if no, I wait,
0: had- is, is a smart contract actually- like a generic word that's a particular kind of contract, or are you just saying people who are smart about their contracts write that <laughs> in? Which is it?
2: So, uh, Marcus, do you, do you want to explain what a smart contract
4: is? Yeah, I can go a little deeper on since I have more of the tech-heavy side on that Uh So, no, actually, it's more of a generic word that the the Web3Space is currently using. In the future, it'll probably change. But right now, it's a generalized word that we use for the backend code for any NFT, like you said, the foundation. Uh, specifically, the royalties are written in prior to that smart contract getting fully created, as I say, minted on a blockchain. So you do have full control of royalties, but once it's minted, uh, that is it at that time.
0: So, so um, you know, I'm, I've always been an advocate of our youth in high school and even middle school because so many creatives start young and our musicians start young. We taught classes of, of kids in high school who'd been performing, who'd been uh, out with their band for years and recording. And so they need to know about this. They need to know how to do this. So to what extent are you guys interacting with the school system to try to see, to make sure that we are um, sharing this, this information about how this works with our young creatives? I didn't mean to put you on the spot now.
2: I oh, just no, this it's really it's, important. No, that's great. Um, so. Uh, Actually, as of a few months ago, uh, I'm the chief marketing officer of a company called Hack the World. Uh, We have a subsidiary called Hack NOLA, uh, and we just launched Web3 courses at Warren Easton High School, uh, where at the end of the courses, uh, kids should be able to to create their own NFT projects, their own minting sites, um, create their own smart contracts. Um, We're working with a number of youth organizations to get this uh, curriculum uh, in Uh, make sure that it becomes the standard for uh, New Orleans because we are failing to develop the infrastructure to keep our young minds here, right? Uh, We don't have a lot of opportunity. uh, We don't have a lot of jobs yet. However, we have a huge tourism industry. We have a huge cultural economy and just putting the infrastructure, when you talk about technology and creating opportunities, creating opportunities for collaboration and partnerships, especially in this space, um, all of that can... uh, NFTs and Web3 technology can be a vehicle to make all of that stuff happen. So that is one of our core missions, engaging the youth in New Orleans. So
0: I just want to make a little suggestion to you that you probably know already, because you're obviously way ahead of me. But um, you know that there's this new crime commission that. I don't really understand who who really got it off the ground, but it exists. And when I looked at the list of the organizations involved, there were no cultural organizations involved. Lisa, we got to do something about that. I don't know if you've, I mean, probably when you think crime, it's about police and courts. I don't think so. I think it's about our creatives who are bored with school, don't know how to deal with school, don't like school. That was my husband. He would never have graduated high school if he weren't you know, just middle-class enough to take the exams and pass, but he, he was an artist in school and artists in school are not the happiest creatures in that regimented um, environment. So the, um, the uh, United Way is at the heart of an aspect of this crime work that is looking at the issue of dealing with youth. So I wanna talk with you more about this because we actually have a program called Creative Futures that is meant to educate our young people as to the range of opportunities in the creative fields so that they understand that they can make money because mom and dad and teachers and, and um, the counselors, most of them really don't understand the creative economy and how kids can make money. So they don't encourage our youth and our youth I, I, I'm from New York. I got to tell you guys, I, I just don't have any sense that the percentage of kids in any class in New York beat New Orleans for the creative Hmm. number of creatives in a class. In other words, it's just so many creative youths here in New Orleans. So we really do have to do better than them. So that's an opportunity area that might provide some funding for you guys because, um, it takes funding to replicate something like that. So you're in that school and that's the way we were. We were in one school at a time and we need to replicate this kind of thing. And I'm sort of, Lisa, this is probably something that's been on your mind too. Um, and Rowena, it sounds like you you also have been working with the schools and, and working with young people um, in, in your uh, domain, is that right? Yes,
1: that's, that's what I do. Um, been teaching since I was five. Because I had a classroom since I was five. My siblings were four, three, two, and then we had one in diapers that would always be the, the punished kid because he kept crawling around the classroom. But yes, yeah, so I started <laughs> very early and we deal with about right now 500 models and talent collectively. It started yeah. off at 1100 in 2009. It was a bit much for me. I had about 15 Monique's and 10 Jade's and I was calling one for a gig and I was like, nah, you're not the one that I booked, but hey, you're here now. So, you know, but, um, but yes, that's what we do. Uh, We deal a lot with the youth. That's where my heart is. That's where my passion is. And those that are considered to be the ones that have the most issues are the ones that I love to deal with the most. Um, because they're they're missing a lot at home. So even when I attempted to retire after teaching for several years, God brought me right back into the classroom. So
0: I want to go back to um, uh, Osa and uh, Marcus for a minute, and then I want to come back to, to Lisa. But I want to ask you guys, um, how, 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 do you, how do you see, growing what you're doing what is your kind of business plan uh so to speak uh, of how you're taking what you're doing um uh, to uh again trying to replicate and make it have um broader impact And, and what do you need to do that i know what we all need we all need more money i mean there's there's no doubt about it we don't have enough money in this Economy, either from the investment standpoint or the support standpoint, and this is something that the mayor I know and Lisa uh, are working on. But um, we've got to figure out how to do a better job with this. But tell me, tell me what your vision is and, and what your
2: uh, assumption is about how you're going to grow. Awesome. Uh, do you want to go first, Marcus, or would you like me to go first?
4: Uh, you can go ahead.
2: Okay. So um, essentially, when we when we talk about New Orleans. Um, We're talking about a tourism economy. We're talking about a creator economy. Um, But there are a few things that we have to take into consideration. Number one, um, when you talk about tourism, I hardly hear people talk about sustainable tourism, right? Uh, We talk about cultural bearers being the bedrock of our touristic economy, right? The cultural traditions, the customs, um, the cultural products that we make bring people from abroad to consume uh, in a place-based ecosystem like New Orleans. The way we can create a sustainable tourism model is through Web3 products uh, fueled by creators that are based in New Orleans. So what my company is focused on doing is creating partnerships between artists, between cultural producers, between um, anyone who bears culture uh, with what they do uh, in their essence and spirit, create collaborative uh, projects between those people and Impact the community, impact the surrounding community uh, around those projects. So, uh, a few examples that I'm currently working on with uh, a few uh, creators. Um, I'm working on a historic preservation um, NFT project uh, with a local woman here. Uh, It is a a former home of a civil rights activist. Uh, So, we are bringing the past to the future. through in through NFTs, right? So we're turning the home into partly um, a historic preservation project, but also an NFT museum that allows other artists to collaborate uh, with the museum and sell their art in the museum. And attending the mu- uh, it attending the museum can be an NFT um, that you collect, right? I'm also partnering with uh, one of my longtime friends. He owns an Ethiopian restaurant. It's called Addis Nola. So. Uh, He's Ethiopian and he creates an artisan beverage. It's called Tej. Tej is a local product from uh, Ethiopia. So it's basically a honey wine. And every few weeks he creates a honey wine, right? So each batch is unique, right? Each batch could be an NFT. So you could make one on June 1st and call it the honey wine, blackberry uh, wine, right? And you have this digital certificate that says it's an authentic artisan beverage called Tej, right? And it's a piece of artwork because we're getting local artists to actually make the labels, right? So each bottle you buy is actually a piece of artwork from a local artist, right? Exactly. And so uh, let's say if we have 100 bottles of this certain batch uh, but you don't want to drink it right away because it's a piece of art and it's you know it's unique. It's this beverage that's that can really only be found in Ethiopian Ethiopian restaurants, right? Um, there's a secondary marketplace for that. So let's say I go buy a bottle for 100 bucks and I sell out. Everybody buys my bottles. There's a secondary marketplace if we cre- if we create enough media and content around it to where other people from other places wanna come in and support the culture, uh, support artists who are collaborating with uh, a unique product maker and selling this art. You could, there. the list is endless when it comes to different projects, right? We, we're starting to see NFT-based subscription models uh, for people who want to uh, sell their art, uh, sell their uh, music to certain subscribers. Uh, really, why I say New Orleans is a media-driven, Uh, a media-driven economic development corporation is because we're coming into a new media age, right? The content, uh, the story that's being told is creating the community. The community, through interacting with the content that we create, they decide what their own utility is going to be, what they want, right? Listening to our viewers, listening to the people who are consuming our content, they tell us what they want. All we do is create NFT projects that reflect what they want and they consume it, right? And everybody wins. It's a win-win situation. So um, another thing, another thing. So uh, last thing, I'm not gonna take up too much time. Uh, I'm working with uh, this company. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm working with this company. Uh, They're based out of Minnesota. They're called Weblin, right? Weblin, uh, they have an incredibly unique product that I think solves, um, solves a lot of our tourism issues. I actually wrote an article about some of our tour- tourism issues and I'm writing a case study on how Weblin can be um, a-, a solution to that. So they pay people who use their platform for community engagement. Let's say a corporation that hosts events uh, let's say a bar or a club, they host events and they get people to come to their bar through onboarding into the Weblin app. Uh, consumers can get paid for attending the events, and the trade-off is that the um, the corporation that sponsors the events, they can um, they have data analytics on their community engagement, so they can analyze what people are spending their money on, who is bringing uh, who's bringing who from what social network. Um, they can can outlay how exactly people are interacting with one another in the city and bring that to their bar, right? So when you think about, oh, I'm tracking how people spend money and I'm incentivizing people to interact with my business, right, Um, what if we were to take tourists from all over, right? They were to say, let's go to uh, the Virgin Hotel or something like that. It could be any hotel, the Virgin Hotel and let's spend a bunch of money. What if we could be part of this program that donates uh, some of our revenue, the things that we spend to a cultural fund, to service worker fund, right, because our service workers make two and a half dollars per hour, right? What if we could be part of a sustainable uh, tourism solution that uses this technology and trades the data, um, like actively trades uh, the data for these corporations to understand how exactly uh, social networks interact in their venues and still support service workers, you know? <laughs> I'm sorry, it's, it's a whole bunch. It's Ooh, a whole okay. Bunch world we're living. <laughs> in. You, have, you have to
0: stop there because we are we are almost out of time. Oh no, I, actually, I forgot we started late. So we have a little bit more time than I was thinking we have, I'm watching the clock. But um, at any rate, I'm getting overwhelmed, but it is, it is um, amazing and so needed what you are doing. Is everybody else as blown away as I am, Rowena, Lisa? Maybe least completely.
3: Oh no, I am a student. I am totally absorbing, acknowledging and knowing that I will be doing follow-ups so that we can discuss further because that is our focal point. It's so much that needs to be done. I understand, but our focal point of the office of cultural economy is to work towards strengthening the economics of our culture. So that is where we're laser focused. and there's been a lot that has transpired, but we still have to move forward toward economic uh, sustainability.
0: Let, let me ask you this, uh, guys, um, Marcus and, and Osa. Are there a lot of other folks, I, I, I'm gonna assume you you were in your, uh, what, mid to high 20s? Is that, am, I, am I on target there? Okay. Are there others in your generation here in New Orleans who are on this wavelength? I mean, oh, are man. you part of a um, – I, I don't know. You're not ge- – your generation uh, – which generation are you? X or Z or just <laughs> – <or what, what laughs> Oh, man, it's has of us, you cool. I millennials.
4: But uh, I would have to say you got – uh, Sabrina Short, man. She uh, – we got to give a shout-out to Sabrina Short because it wasn't for her, honestly. I don't know. I wouldn't be here. I also wouldn't be here. I'm sure most of the other people wouldn't be here. The one I got building behind me wouldn't be a thing. Like, she really uh, showed – the city that like, just because you're black, you're geeky, like, don't be afraid to being inside. Like, no, there's places for you here. Like, we're trying to invest in you. There is opportunity. Yes, you can get a remote job that pays well, no degree. You even ask a dropout. You've got a couple of certificates. You can make good money. And like, it's not, don't be afraid. And like, she really uh, opened up to everybody, gave a safe space for everybody to connect. So uh, I would say, no, there were there's a thriving young tech culture in the city that people are sleeping on. And that just is just drowning, it's just, like just starving for any access to, any, any, to anything new, honestly.
0: So, so, so it's, it's part of it is tech, but also the other part, Liz, Lisa, I know you know, and I've been getting exposed recently to more and more what I would just call basically young thrivers or entrepreneurs in the city that I don't think the city understands. I hear too many older people and I wanna pretend I'm not one of them, who think the city is in trouble, it's dying, is this bad and that's bad. And I don't think they have any clue how many of you guys out there who are saying, what, are you kidding? We're on fire. I feel like y'all are on fire. I don't know how many are out there and I don't know to what extent you will capture the full scope of opportunities that you need and should get. Um, but I have a sense that if you can just, you know, I went on a uh, Lisa, I went on one of those um, trips to Texas once with the Metrovision people. Metrovision was the predecessor to GNO Inc. And we went to Austin. And we were in the audience and there's a guy up on stage and he announces that Austin is the live music capital of the world. I think it was the nation, I don't remember what he said. But we all kind of in the audience, all of our our mouths collectively dropped. We said, what the blank are they talking about? But the interesting thing is they made that happen. And they did it in part by creating a public venture capital company, Lisa. I still don't know enough about it and how they did it because I'm not a business person. I am a supporter of business, a supporter of economic growth as you are, but um, how exactly they did it, I don't know, but they created a public venture capital company that invested in startups like you guys and you Rowena, and supported folks like Lisa and I. I mean, we need to do so much more in the way of capitalizing what we already have. If you were to just take a guess, I know you can't do this, but I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna ask you anyway. If you were to take a guess how many young entrepreneurs are working in this tech category, with the overlap and creative, or not, it could still be sort of more old-fashioned tech, just literally hardcore figuring out how to make the computers do things we don't. AI, all that kind of stuff, um, or and or uh, more creatively driven. If if you pull a number out of your hat, you have no clue. We haven't done the research. What would you speculate that number looks like?
3: I would say over hundreds here in the city of New Orleans because they are quiet quietly making it happen. And they are there are some that's organic and then there are others that are partnering and going uh are growing as a part of other organizations and incubator systems. So there's many and with the uh technology conference that took place uh, I believe in the spring of this year, that's where I just saw it before my own eyes here as one day of the conference was held at Gallier Hall, the New Orleans Entrepreneurial Week and Idea Village was a part of it. But I know they're one entity. There are so many others, just as our guests that we have here. And Sabrina Short, she came when I started in 2019, she reached out to me in 2019 for her technology conference. And I was in a state of shock because I wasn't sure. I I was like, who is Sabrina? And she wants to do this at the Ace Hotel. And yes, indeed she did. She did it and it moved forward. Then it grew the next year after that, even with the pandemic. And then this year it took a much larger step and she had the conference in a larger manner at the Weston Hotel quite successful. And she was also the technology point producer in contract with Essence Festival this year as well. So I have seen success and growth uh, in technology in our young, talented minds and others. And they are in some of the companies who actually were sold publicly this year and have become, and you all, this is not my lingo, but I'm learning. I'm gonna be a learner of it. The uh, unicorns and and just becoming multimillionaire companies after starting, you know, and, you know, starting small and now have grown. That is happening. And they're not all leaving New Orleans. They are either being bought, absorbed, merged, and then they're keeping uh, a footprint and a base <laughs> here in the city of New Orleans. So that is where we are. And that is where, gentlemen, and and Rowena, that is where I want to see our creative economy and artists grow. And you are far advanced, awesome I And we're going to catch up to you, but I want to create that baseline for our artists to have just the digital read. Right now, we have so many that are... Um, not at the digital read aspect. So no one else knows about their talent anywhere else. So I want to get them onboarded to platforms where there's the digital read and exchange and all of that. And then let others just continue to springboard higher to all of us joining on a Web3 level and NFT level. But I want to at first create that infrastructure for all artists be it 100, being the next talented six-year-old. That's that's what uh, I've so I've now shared one of my goals that I haven't shared yet. But that that is something that I hope to make happen uh, while I have this opportunity in this position.
0: And and I want to um, give you guys a challenge too. <laughs> and I want to ask you: Would you please help me figure out <clears throat> how we can? breakthrough on this issue of royalties for visual art you may say it's nft but what if it's not just nft what about literally just a material painting a sculpture a print a photograph that should also be able to generate royalties for the original creator Um, there's just too many artists out there who have homes and studios filled with art and they can't really benefit from it the way they should or they've literally sold it at those lower uh, there's a story here about a woman muriel bultman francis is her name she comes from the funeral home company on on uh, poitras on um, uh, louisiana and um, she bought a jasper johns for two hundred dollars okay do you, do you want me to tell you how much Jasper Johns is worth now? Okay, so one of the big ones that he's done, like $100 million. So a smaller painting like the one she bought for $200 is probably worth now about $2 million. The, royal, the, ex, the extreme heights to which that kind of original art can go is, is astounding. But again, The original artists are not benefiting unless they are still alive and still producing a lot of work. Yes, they're making more off new current work, but off that original work, they're not making that money. We have to figure out how to get around that. And I have a feeling if you guys put your brain power to it, wouldn't it be amazing if New Orleans has, which has been one of the markets where artists has suffered the most. Let me tell you the stories I used to hear constantly from the Nevels, from the meters, from um, Dr. John, even all the acts in the city, were all complaining about not getting money back on their work. What if we were the city that solved that and really, Put something out there that would really make a difference. You know, Lisa, we created all those cultural districts with the tax incentives. There's no money in those cultural districts. You know that. So we, we've we got to do better. And I have a feeling if, if, if you put some of that kind of brain power you've got. And then you've got to help Rowena now get her models. How many models you got? It's a
1: lot. It's, it's in the hundreds. About. Uh, Three to five hundred is what I work with um, on a yearly basis. And they're um people are booking them for different events. So they do fashion shows and stuff, but people are not paying them. So a lot of times when I feel bad for them, when they have to pay for their parking, when they're driving, a lot of them are coming from different parts of Louisiana. Some are coming from Texas, some are coming from parts of Georgia and They're not being compensated. So a lot of times I'm doing that because I was like, I can't let them, you know, keep doing this. Um, But what's happening is not that the organizations don't want to pay them. A lot of times they don't have the funding after they've paid for a production, you know, where they're paying for the DJs, the lighting. And these models just really want the opportunity. So we've been doing what we can to take them to uh, Vegas, to take them to, New York, of course, we we do that on our own dime, but I said I, I want to be able to give them the experience so we've been letting them meet with photographers who shoot for Vogue. Um, But I'm still trying to figure out like how long how many more years am I going to, you know, do this off of a teacher salary so I said I got to be creative and find ways where it makes sense.
0: All right. Well, we have all kinds of uh, potential here for um, collaboration, right here in this in this Zoom. Uh, yes. And and I know that uh, Lisa is dealing with folks like this every day. We all are in our our, our realms, and um, I really hope to see some progress. Uh, and I just meetings. met with
1: Miss Us. Uh, Stinson. I forgot how to pronounce her first name. Yes. I just met with her this morning and that was the most refreshing meeting I ever had. She was so professional and she went straight into letting me know what it is um, that I need to do. And she's looking at everything that I had. And she said she was like, I don't understand why you're not. I was like, well, you know, I didn't know what was available. Um, So she you know, she basically let me know what I need to do. And so uh, that's what I'll be working on.
3: Great, that's NLTCF. And I just want to say one quick thing, all of our artists and all of our creatives and the work that you do is as valuable as the stage, as the light, as the video, as the photographer and all. So these models that travel, they must be paid. So the persons we're working and hoping that people who are producing events are understanding all costs, and we can't ask anyone to not be paid. They must be paid. They're just as valuable as any other aspect of that production.
1: Yes,
0: guys, we're gonna we're gonna continue this dialogue. This is this is a, in various shapes and forms. Uh, what I do almost every week with the radio show is talk with folks like you. But more and more, um, please share with me your thoughts and recommendations, Lisa, Marcus, Osa, Rowena, on other people that we should spotlight and make sure folks know what you all are doing and what you're up to. Um, this was. Uh, and now, I, I mean, if nothing else, I certainly understand what Rev3 is now. I can I'm just very proud to come out of this with that. But no, more importantly, I'm, I'm just awestruck and um, uh, happy and optimistic. I've been in a little bit of a mood lately. And so I'm, I'm really happy to have heard from you all. Um, I look forward to seeing more from you. And um, I got to call the end of the show because it is the end. And uh, this is Jean Nathan with Crosstown Conversations. And I hope uh, those of you who have been listening are as awestruck as I am and um, be in touch please and let us know what you're up to. Thank you all very, very much. Thank you. Thank you. Be talking with you more. Thank you. And be sure and let me know of your events, please. All of them. I'm sorry I missed the tech conferences. Um, I really just... uh, I couldn't, I just, I'm so buried in work right now, but um, I'm sorry I didn't go. I, they probably are online, right, Lisa? There's the, the recordings? Yes. Okay.
3: I'm um, certainly, I'm um, certainly they are. Yes, so yes. Look
0: for them. Okay. All right, y'all. Thank and you I'll so, so much. You were great. Okay.
4: okay.
1: Thank, you. Uh, thank you.
3: Y'all you take care. I'll be in right. touch with everyone.
1: Okay. Yeah, looking
4: forward to it.